Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for just being full time in our lives. God, we just ask that you just allow us to walk in your plan, will, and purpose. Whatever it takes, God. Let us also walk in forgiveness, Lord. Let us not have unforgiveness in our heart for anything. And let us just walk in forgiveness. Allow us to push forward by, um, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, God. Let us walk in our purpose. Let us believe in our purpose. Let us accept the purpose that you have given us and accept your will. Accept your your plan for us, God. Your plan is greater than ours, so allow us to be inspired by you, encouraged by you, uplifted by you. God, we let every burden and concern that your throne of grace. We ask that you please allow your words to just stay embedded in our hearts. Allow us to keep your word hidden in our hearts, God. And we just plead the blood of Jesus over your word, God. Allow it to manifest in our life. Allow us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. That's the most important thing. And God, we just want to live a we want to live a life that's favorable to you, pleasing to you. We want to be obedient to you, God. Because guess what? You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the alpha and the omega, and you are the most important in our life, God. You are the most important one in our lives that really, really want us to accomplish our goals. You want to, to, you see the potential in us, God. And so we just ask that, please, that allow your potential to come out of us. Let us walk in the authority that you've given us through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you right now that we dominate in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we just thank you right now for favoring your sight. God, we ask that you continue to lead us in the paths of righteousness and let us remain sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for filling me up. I just ask that you please allow me to, that please lead me in this discussion. Lead me completely in the entire discussion. Please do not allow me to forget anything. And most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Okay, now, thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Help. Let's talk about it. So, um, I've been talking about the trending topic of women's health. And so, um, let me just get right into it today. Okay, all right. So, let me go ahead and share my screen here. Okay, so the scripture that I wanted to talk about is Titus 2. So if you turn to your Bible, to Titus, Titus chapter two, um, let's let's go ahead and read that. So um, Titus two starts. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign 
no one will malign the word of God. And so in verse six, be, but before I go, to, before I continue on, just look at this passage for a moment, right? It is clearly telling us to do good for the sake of the gospel. So that means that women, us older women, we should not be slandering or addicted to wine. So we see that there can be a correlation between addiction to wine and slandering people, right? Because why would it be there in the same sentence, right? So not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine. So there is a, a, a correlation between this, right? So don't be slanderous. Don't gossip. Gossiping leads to slander. Sometimes um, that is basically like the birth of a conversation is gossip. So gossip has a lot of different personality types attached to it, right? So you think of gossip, you think of slander, you think of envy, you think of jealousy. All of these different things are associated with slanderers. So teach what is good. In verse four, it says, then, the, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. And so what happens is we see this, we see this, um, what is it, this recycle of behavior, not just in within the older women, but now it then it goes down to younger generations of people. So usually what happens is if if a person is looking up to or idolizing someone that they really like enjoy being around. They see them slandering people. They see them being envious. They see them being jealous of others. So they're going to think that it's okay to be that way. They're going to mimic or mirror that type of image, meaning that they think that this is okay to do, right? So in order to prevent that, we need to not, we need to be reverent in the way that we live, right? Not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine. So for instance, with me, I used to drink a lot. I used to drink a lot of wine, right? Um, and so I would, I did a lot of praying too when I was, when I would drink and then I would just sit there and I would just mope about, you know, different things when I was drinking and I would just talk about all of these problems until I fall asleep and then I wake up and then I'll drink again and talk about problems again. And it was like, the problems were still there, right? They didn't eradicate it or get extinguished just because the alcohol was into play. So yes, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But one thing specific that God wants us to do is to be able to overcome those barriers and obstacles that is preventing us from being and living at our fullest potential. So how can you live at your fullest potential? Well, you can't ponder or continue to think about the things of the past and what you couldn't do and how it didn't work and how this situation happened and that situation happened and all of these different things, you have to focus on what is it expected of you now, right? It's not about the messenger either, right? Okay, so if you know me and you know that I used to drink, I man my business. I am not in everybody's face. I like to stay at home. I am a homebody, and that's the way that I was. If I do go out, I will go out, and I do have to drink around some people for like a little bit, and hang out for a little bit and I go right back home to my quiet house. And so that was the way that I was living for a very long time. I would say a few years. 
And so and you think when I think about all of these things, I now I have to put my mind into the, the fact that God said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So in order for me to renew my mind, I can't focus on the things of the past. I have to focus on the things of the future. And so what is it that's in the future? Right now, the present is turning into the future. So it's, it's important for you to focus on what is happening right now in the moment in your life. You can't you can't rearrange anything. No, nothing can be uh, reversed. Time can be reversed, right? Um, so the only thing that you can do is focus on in the now. And so let's let me talk about in the now for a moment, okay? Oh, all right. So I, I pray that I'm not going too fast for everybody um that is listening, but what is in the now? So in the now is it's not about what the person didn't do five years ago. It's not about what they could have did 10 years ago. It's not about what they should have done a month ago. It's about right now, what can you do to empower the situation? What can you do to enhance your quality of life, another person's quality of life? So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you have to understand that in relationships, People hold on to the past. And so what I like to say is this. Look, if my husband cheated on me and I stayed with him, that means I accepted him after he cheated, right? Okay, so if I deprive my husband of sexual intimacy, right, and he stayed with me and we still continue to work things out, that means what? That he continued to stay with me after he knew that I was going to deprive him of intimacy. So it's so important for us as believers in Christ. Because I'm talking to the believers in Christ. Because I know otherwise some people they probably, I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't want to assume. But I, we have to acknowledge that people are going to fail you are going to fail we all are going to fail at some point which is why it's so important for us to depend on the holy spirit we have to depend on the holy spirit times is really changing people are doing things very bold and it, the evil is very bold right and so we have to be just as aggressive in the kingdom of God and say, you know what? I am going, to, I am bold for Christ. So in order to do good for the sake of the gospel, you have to say, okay, it isn't about what happened 10 years ago. It isn't about what happened five months ago. It's not what happened a month ago. What can we do right now? So what the way I kind of looked at this was, um, I look at, like my friendships and my relationship was with people i look and i say okay well you know how is our relationship now it's not about like um it's not really about the lack of support that i had from this person it's not about that in the you know the lack of support in the past is really about you know um like for instance let me give you an analogy so like with my mom so my mom, she always has felt 
that I focus on um, school so much, right? And so when I get to talking to her about certain uh, topics or subjects, uh, different situations, she don't like to hear about those type of things because she says, ah, oh, I'm not in school. She's not. <laughs> she like, I'm not in school right now. I'm not in school. So she don't really like to listen to those type of things all the time. So like I, by me being in school for so long now, it's pretty much learning has become a part of my lifestyle. And so this has been, I've been learning every single day. Even when I was, even when I was inebriating and drinking alcohol, right? I was still learning from my experience, like learning the fact that this alcohol is not going to numb the situation. I'm still going to wake up. I'm still have these same type of problem so i really need to take it to the throne i need to take it to god you know and so that's that's the point i took my problems to god where god could help me and so god will speak to you but you have to come from a place of sincerity you have to have a, a pure and pureness in your heart you know like god okay tell me this this is what i want to know not coming at a place where you like angry with god or you know disappointing about certain situations that or experiences that you've endured in your life you have to come from a sincere place and so that sincerity is like okay well once you understand that people make mistakes right they're going to make mistakes they always make mistakes um so now it's like okay are they continuing to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again right so it's 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 infidelity something that really destroy the marriage right for some people it do so it causes the the divorce rate to go up really high infidelity is like the number one cause of divorce right and so is it is it going to be the number one cause in your relationship or do you say that you want to sit there and you want to try to work things out try to figure them out try to resolve them with your spouse so it's all about your uh, perception. Your perspective actually shaped the entire situation. So as a woman, the Bible is telling us here in Titus 2 that we as older women, right? We should be reverent in the way that we live in a way where we're not slanderers. Because what is attached to slander? Gossip envy jealousy all sorts of things are attached to slander a person just don't come out and just slander a person there's a combination of different things that led up to them slandering them so it could be the fact that they jealous they're envious they're coveting that person's life or coveting the what they're what that person desires in their life and you know what they may want to be exactly like them so instead of them not having those qualities now they slander them and so now that that's what god god does not want us to be that way it's you can't slander a person that you don't know you can't slander people that you even that you do know because if you slander the people that you know, that means that you're not being honest and you are not approaching the situation correctly. God wants us to 
uh talk to people directly he wants us to be bold in our uh you know communication you talk to people one-on-one if that isn't resolved then you take two or three people with you then you take it to the church but if that person is not going to the church, going to church, you still want to talk to them directly. You want to talk to them directly. You also want to take uh, another person. So they won't lie. People lie all the time. So, you know, God doesn't want us to do these things. So in verse four, it says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. So in order for the older women to encourage and basically sponsor the love for uh, the younger women to love their, their husbands, you have to first be a, a, a person that is willing to be that way. Because many times when you're doing things, people are going to say, oh, well, look at you. What makes you different? Why do I need to listen to you? So um, really, in actuality, it's like, okay, well, it's important to understand that you want to practice what you teach. Practice what you're teaching. And so that's that I I I um I guess I would say I hold a very high standard when it comes to me telling my children something. So I if I'm telling them to finish something, don't ever start something without finishing it. If you start a project, finish it. If you start school, finish it. If you start a certificate program, finish it. If you start it, finish it. So don't be discouraged. Excuses are something that is a permanent condition, right? Excuses, people that make excuses all the time. So in verse five, it says uh, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So malign, you, you're not going to misinterpret the word of God. You understand what the word of God is saying. So older women is supposed to be uh, are supposed to exemplify what the word says in their life. So they should be demonstrating what is going on in their own lives and and be able to demonstrate that for the younger generations of women. That's exemplifying something. That is being able to say, okay, well, I can adopt these principles. I'm going to adhere to this. I'm going to live this certain way. I'm going to practice what I teach so everybody else, you know, when they're, when they're watching me, they, they can follow suit. So that is what that is saying. Now, when we go back, I want to go to um, back to the blog, right? So there's an article. Um, it was through medical news today. And so in this article, it talks about a lot of different things that is going on with, um, with women, but I wanted to point out quite a few things. So this article is, we must educate healthcare providers of black, about black women's experience. And so this is a medical news today uh, interview with Professor Cheryl uh, Giscombe. Um, she's an expert on stress-related health disparities among African Americans. 
So it's about a source of pressure that many African-American women experience the obligation to project an image of strength or that of a fulfilling a super superwoman role. And it's so funny because my one of my email is superwoman. That's my old email. And it's uh I had that email for so long. Because me being a black woman, I can relate to always having to feel that demand of what is required. Like, okay, I have to you have to be there for everybody. My um cousin, he literally had said to me, he he was like, cuz, you know. When you told me no, that just crushed my heart. Cause he had asked me for something. And I was like, no, I, I just no. He asked me for something. And I told him no, I couldn't do it. So uh he was like, Oh, see, I'm not used to you telling me no, cuz. And it's just like my daughter and my kids. Sometimes, like if I tell them no, they they feel a certain type of way. And it's like you have to understand that, see, I am here as a beacon for you to to enable you to help yourself if i am doing everything for you when do you go out here and do what you need to do for yourself so sometimes we become enablers of allowing people not to help themselves when we should be enablers of helping them to help themselves so this is important. And so basically, the, in 2010, Professor Cheryl uh, Giscombe, a PhD, she published a paper that was entitled Superwoman Schema, African-American Women's Views on Stress, Strength, and Health. In the journal, it was basically like a qualitative health research. Basically, qualitative is this. Qualitative is a face-to-face -face interviews, um, focus groups, different you know, like one-on-one -on -one encounters, basically, where they analyze the entire perspective of stress, strength, and health um, when, as it pertains to African-American women, women's views. And so in this, uh, in this article paper, uh, it says, researchers have suggested that health disparities in African-American women including adverse birth outcomes, lupus, obesity, and untreated depression can be explained by stress and coping. So the strong black woman or superwoman role has been highlighted as a phenomenon uh, influencing African-American women's experiences and reports of stress. So I'm not gonna read this entire article, but I do wanna point out some of the main points of this article. So I'm going to shift back over to my blog. So the article is basically saying, um, so through qualitative research, some of the symptoms of the superwoman schema, um, which is also called SWS, or you can call it black woman syndrome. That is also called, that's also what they call it. Um, so these include a perceived obligation to present an image of strength. So this is what I was talking about the other day about the lack of vulnerability. We as women need to be vulnerable. If you are not being vulnerable in your marriage, how can you be vulnerable to God? The word of God says, wives, submit unto your husbands as you do unto the Lord. 
And so being vulnerable, let's look at this word for a minute. Let's look up vulnerability. Because in order to understand um, the way something is defined, we have to all collectively define it the same way. Because if I define love different from the way that you're defining it, we're not going to be understanding this topic on the same level. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. We're understanding vulnerability from the same level and because we have to define it. Right. So if I say love, love is always having an ear and listening. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is in the Bible. Love is God. You know, that is what love is. Some people say, well, love is pain. I don't think that love is pain. You know, but you may define love as being painful. You may define love as being, uh, you know, hurt, hurt emotionally. That's your identification of what you define as love. So it's very important for us to be able to define the necessary or the appropriate definition for what we're discussing. And so it's vulnerability. So vulnerability is the state or property of being vulnerable, the quality of state of being vulnerable. Let's look at it of a more in-depth analysis of this. So recovering from fear of vulnerability. So there's an article that has been published by Lisa uh, Fritcher or Fritcher, Fritcher. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, it was medically reviewed by Daniel, Daniel Block, medical doctor. And so it talks about why vulnerability is important. Um, it provides great greater strength right? Stronger relationships. Um, it also provides improved self-acceptance. So the reason why vulnerability is important is because it fosters authenticity. And that is so important because of the fact that we need to be vulnerable. Women, men, everyone, we all need to have some form of vulnerability. And so with the, um, with the strong superwoman schema or the black strong black woman syndrome, African Americans, it has been very difficult for uh African American women to sort of foster that vulnerability. Right? Um, so let's talk about how vulnerability, why vulnerability is important. So it provides greater strength. Basically, you're putting yourself in a situation where you feel vulnerable and this can allow you to boost your confidence and belief in your ability to handle challenging situations. This can make you more resilient in the face of life's difficulties. So when you really think about being vulnerable, it's like, okay, I can be vulnerable to God. Let's look at this scripture here. I want to reference the scripture to it. Okay, so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 11. 
It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Okay, so you see what that scripture says. Clearly, that scripture is telling us a clear indication that God wants us to know that in our weakness, we are made strong. God's strength is made perfect inside of us in our weakness. So let me just put this here. Give me one moment. Twelve, nine, and eleven. Second Corinthians twelve, verses nine through eleven. Okay, now when we look here, um, also, so we see that our, let, and I want to post this. I'm actually going to post this um, up on the page. So, because I think that this is kind of a, a inspiring article, actually. So let me um, post it one moment. Okay, and so um, we see that vulnerability, it allows you to have greater strength, not just in your confidence, but God becomes perfect in your weakness. Because see, when you're weak, you're at a point where you're at like, this is it. I don't have no more energy left than me what will be will be okay and it's like at that point some people give up when they're at that lowest point but god is saying in this scripture in second corinthians 12 verse 9 to 9 through 11 that god's grace is sufficient for you for his power is made perfect in weakness so you're never really weak when you're calling on god you're not weak. So actually God's power was working in me greater than in my strength. 
So it's like, okay, you're going through this experience. You're going through this adversity. You're going through this trial. But guess what? God is perfect in your weakness. You was created in the image of God. He is perfect in your weakness. So, so, um, what we can conclude from that is that God is going to be powerful within us. What we need to do is make sure that we allow God dominance over the situation we give god the authority we allow god to take control we sit back and say god i give it to you so that that is something that god wants us to do So moving forward, we see that vulnerability also creates stronger relationships. Having stronger relationships, it, it, it fosters intimacy in your relationships with others. It helps deepen your compassion, your empathy and connection with others in your life. Why this screen be doing this to me? It also helps with improved self-acceptance. Vulnerability allows you to accept and embrace different aspects of yourself. This can help you build greater confidence and authenticity. So you're going to have greater strength, stronger relationships, and improved self-acceptance. And, and the reason why you're going to have strong relationships is because people are going to say, you know what? You're strong. You're strong. You got this. They're going to say, okay, you, you're, you become relatable to them. When you become vulnerable in your friendships and your relationships, because now it's like, okay, now they see that, okay, you're vulnerable and you, you want, you're asking for help. Okay. So that deepens your empathy and also deepens the connection that you have with others, including that self-acceptance allows you to look at not just your own perspective, but also the perspective of other people. So improved self-acceptance come in when you embrace the different aspects of yourself. So not just looking at your own self-reflection, but now you're going to look at the reflection of what others uh, see as well so i usually always say this i don't talk about being smart i don't talk about being intelligent i don't talk about how smart i am or how intelligent i am i don't talk about how wise i am unless i'm glorifying god 
God helped me do this. God helped me with my homework. God helped me. The Holy Spirit gave me wisdom. The Holy Spirit gave me knowledge. Because it really doesn't matter about, you know, how you really, really, if you, if you constantly claim to be a certain thing in this world, you have to understand that God will show you that that's not what you're supposed to do. You don't boast about things. And I've noticed that. So I don't, I don't like boasting. If we're going to boast, we should boast about the glory of God. Boast about the things that God has done. Boast about that. So giving credit to God allows you also to look at it from a different perspective. And it allows you to create a self-reflection of humbleness. So you become humble. So let's look at the word humble in the Strong Concordance. And I would like to go to the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew 23 and 12. And so let me explain the Strong's Concordance. So the Strong's Concordance, it basically interprets the Hebrew scrolls. The Hebrew scrolls is in the Old Testament of the Bible. The Bible is written in two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is Hebrew scrolls. The New Testament is written in Greek. So in order for us to analyze the English translation or the transliteration of the word, we need to be able to analyze it from the King James Bible and also understand what the Hebrew word is and understand what the Greek word is. So the Old Testament, remember, it's written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. The first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament is Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that is considered the Torah. The Torah is the law, basically all the law that God has stipulated in those first five books. Now you go to the Old Testament is from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. The New Testament is from Matthew to the book of Revelation. Now the first four chapters in the Bible in the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the gospel. That's where you can read about the the uh that's where you can read about Jesus Christ and how he lived when he was here on earth. So in order to really understand the Hebrew and the Greek translation or transliteration of the word of God, you have to go through the Strong's Concordance. So it basically interprets the word for us. And so there, uh, the Strong's is comprised of over about a hundred different scholars. These scholars went to school for a very long time to interpret the word of God. And so they come together and then they um, interpret it. And so that's what has taken place here. And so we see uh, in Matthew 23 and 12, I am, I simply put the word humble. And so typing in that word, it'll tell me each instance each verse how many times that word was listed in the holy bible 
So the word humble was mentioned in the Bible 24 times. Okay. And um, so I'm going to look in the New Testament in uh, Matthew 23 and 12. And so that is the, the Greek translation. So let's look at the word. So humble, humble, it is Strong's number 5013. It means to depress, to humiliate, in condition or heart, obeys, bring low. Like my friends and family, they always call. They they be knowing I'm doing the podcast, but maybe they just forget. Um, so I apologize about that. So this is the word humble in Matthew 23 and 12. It is Strong's number 5013. It means tapping Noah, tapping Noah to humiliate or condition or, or in condition or heart. So uh, when you feel humble, it is going to impact some of your heart. You know, you're going to feel like like you're, you're bringing it down low. And so, for instance, like when I'm around people, I don't like, I don't always speak about my academic education. I feel like it is not the appropriate, you know, moments to talk about that. Um, depending on where I am, I may talk about it. And sometimes I never bring it up to some people. I never bring it up. And it's not because I want to, you know, um, had that I'm, you know, educated. It's just that I don't want to boast. I don't like boasting about stuff. So th this is important because of the fact that when you're boasting about things, When you when you um boasting about things, you can't actually be humble. It's like you sit back and oh girl, I got this and I got that and my husband got this job and my husband doing this and I got this car and so we doing this over here and I have this and I have that. You have all of these different things because and then you you just want to boast about all of these things. That's not humble. The first thing that we as women have to do in order to be really vulnerable is to start being humble. I don't think I know everything. I don't know why some people be like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. You know, that like they be like, oh, well, you know, you smart. You just, you just know everything. No, I don't know everything. That's why I learn something new every single day. Today, I learned how when an unorganized person just say anything out of their mouth. So they, I need to pray for them. I also learned that I need to pray for the people that are unbelievers more than I pray for the people that are believers.
So I, I had to learn all of this today. I also learned that, you know, um, even when our kids make mistakes, we still have to just, you know, let it go. And just sometimes it's not even important to even mention. My son made a mistake today. I didn't even mention it to him. I just prayed for him. So I'm learning every single day of my life. I'm learning. I'm learning about how other people really feel about me today. I've learned that today. I was like, wow, okay. So I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware that you had those feelings for me. So like, we need to be have emotional intelligence for other people. And it's not about, I believe that this emotional intelligence will allow us to have be uh will uh, contribute to parts of us being humble. But we need to have the Holy Spirit lead us to having this emotional intelligence, to being able to be humble. It's like, okay, yes. If you tell me I'm smart, I will listen. I don't need to tell you I'm smart. I don't need to walk around and say how intelligent I am. I don't need to say how wise I am. I don't need to say all of those things. It's no point. Because other people can say it. Other people will see it. And it's like, okay. All right, thank you. So I don't boast. I don't like boasting. I don't have to boast about where I come from. I don't have to boast about what I have. I don't have to boast about what I have. I don't have to boast about any of it. I don't have to boast about my kids. I don't have to boast about my life. I don't have to boast about anything. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about what God has done for me. If you knew what I where I've come from, then some people would say, well, you have a right to boast. You've been through a lot, girl. You overcame all type of stuff. You've been doing good. If anybody have a right to boast, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that we should be boasting about. Because I every it said the Bible says this is what the Bible says. Here we go. Okay. Let's go to Romans 8 and 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. All things. So no situ every situation that I've experienced. That God has delivered me and set me free. That means that it was God that did that. Okay, so for instance, now I have actually, you know, found another school to go to. I'm accepted. I got my schedule and everything. I'm so happy. 
You all just don't know. That was a bad situation with that professor. Well, quite a few professors, if I must say. But not my school. My school it has quality and prestige. I love National Lewis University. I'm never going to stop saying that. Ever. Everything about the school is just amazing. I have watched the school transform. Okay? The library, it, it did not used to be a student center. Now they have a pool hall and everything. So, you know, they have really, really transformed. The average age used to be 35 years old. And I believe now that's about 18 to 21 is the average age. So the audience, their target audience has improved as well. You know, so like I think that my school has really, really done some amazing things in the community, all type of stuff. So they're always, always pretty active in the city of Chicago. And guess what? It is a teaching school. So even though I went to school and I learned all of this stuff, I have learned some amazing things. Even though I did not go to school for teaching, it is a teaching school. Now I'm coming out feeling like I am a teacher right now and I haven't got my doctorate yet. I'm waiting to get the doctorate so I could proclaim and say, hey, you know, I am a educator. So I don't like speaking too soon about things. It's about that what? It's about being humble. So if we're going to boast about anything, you need to boast about the glory of God. That is what we have to do. We thank God for what, what he has done for us. You have that job because of God. You have that marriage because of God. Your kids are safe, protected by the blood because of God. You have favor because of God. God has been there for you. Be Why? Because he loves you. God sees the potential in us. He has given you choice. He given me a choice. He gave everybody a choice. He said, look, I've given you everything. Now go ahead and make a choice. He tell you what not to do, but we God knows that you're going to make a choice. So what is your choice? The, God is tugging at your heart. You have a heart. You have a heart. We all have hearts. What is your choice? God gives you things, and in spite of all of these other things going on around you, he, he keeps showing you it. Here's an outlet. Here's another outlet. Here's an opportunity. Here's another opportunity for you to do the right thing, for you to behave the right way, for you to seek God, for you to pray to him, for you to acknowledge God, for you to accept his plan, his will, and his purpose. But guess what? What are you choosing? He said he go to outlet. I'm giving you the outlets. Why are you not taking the outlet? 
You're going to be consumed by all of these things around you. God didn't want, God don't want you to be weak because you're not weak. In your weakness, God's power is made strong. So you have to allow God to continue to create outlets. If the outlets that he's creating around you, you're not taking, you're not listening. Then what are you going to do? God is creating outlets for you. So we know that all things, all in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Because that is what the word of God says. So if we go back to Titus chapter two, it specifically is urging us older women to stop slandering. And then in verse 6, Titus 2, verse 6, it says, Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. So men, they have to, they have to have self-control. Like, for instance, that is exactly how I feel about the next husband. I don't want no man that does not have self-control. You have to have discipline. You know, I understand everyone go through their situations. They have their experiences. But it starts with the way you act around me. You have self-control. Maintain self-control. So in verse 7, and everything, set them an example by doing what is good. So the men should be doing the good things. These are the things that we should be looking up to. They out here, they humble. They doing good. They teaching. It says in your teachings, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. This is for the men. So men, they should be speaking with integrity, seriousness, soundness. Because guess what? God, when he speaks, God speaks with authority. The Bible is God's authoritarian, authoritative word. It's all inspiration from God. So God don't want you standing up there saying something like, like when uh, Jesus was talking to the religious Pharisees, he said, you brood of vipers. How did you think he said it? He, uh, he probably, he ain't said, oh, you brood of vipers. What tone of voice you think that God used? I mean, even if it wasn't elevated, I'm sure that Jesus, he is very, very uh, uh, focused when he speak. He speaks with authority. Like, you brood of vipers. You gonna understand what he's saying. He's not gonna be like, oh, okay, you, you brood of vipers. Yeah. Like, why would he sound like that? 
if God is telling the men to have integrity and seriousness in their speech, that's what they're supposed to have. So the man is supposed to talk with authority. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want a man that you sitting up here, you're confused and you don't want to sit here and, and, and talk like you have the authority. You have to talk like a man around me. I don't want a man that doesn't have qualities of a man. Like when you speak, speak with authority because when I speak, I'm going to speak with authority. So when you speak, you have to make sure what you are, you know, firm in what you're saying. If you unsure about something, okay. But I don't want no man that, you know, like you focused on your facial appearance than anything else. Like I think a man should look rough a little bit. Like, don't have on no pants that look like leggings. I don't want to see nothing like that. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Everybody had their own preference. So, I want a man that's more masculine. Like, you should have rough hair up a little bit on your face. Your eyebrows shouldn't look arched to me. Like, I'm not attracted to nothing like that. So I don't, I know that God isn't going to provide me a husband that, that, you know, like dress or look like that. So God will give you the desires of your heart. And I'm not saying that men that do like their eyebrows a certain way or they like their facial uh, hairs cut all the time. I'm not saying that they're not a man. I'm just saying what I wouldn't like. But God wants the men, as it says here in Titus 2 and 6, that men should teach with integrity and seriousness, soundness of their speech. So that sounds like a man that has authority to me. Because if, well, man is created in the image of God. And so what that means is he is supposed to do the things he has the attributes of God. And so, and likewise, with us women coming from men, from because Eve came out of Adam. So it's like you have to understand that God doesn't have those qualities of slander. God don't have those qualities. God is very bold when he speaks. In the book of Revelation, it talks about let, let's let's go to this scripture. I want to go to another scripture where it talks about in Revelation. Um so it talks about uh this scripture. This is the one I wanted to bring up. Go to Revelation 3, chapter 15 through 17. So now this is what Jesus was saying to John. John had went up into the, he had a dream. Um, and and um, so this is a message that he's giving from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is what God is saying. Okay. How do you think God is saying this? God says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So what is that saying? Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God is bold. This is boldness. God is bold. So going back to being vulnerable, God wants us to have greater strength, stronger relationships, and this will allow us to have improved self-acceptance. So let's think of some examples of uh, vulnerability, right? Let's look at some of these examples. So give me one second here. I want us to um, post this up here. Give me one moment, please. I'm just waiting on this to... Um... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to move forward. It's not allowing me to, to paste it there. So... Um, let's look at some examples of vulnerability. So, what does vulnerability look like? Taking chances that might lead to rejection. This is so important. Hold on, everyone. Please give me one moment. I apologize about that. Okay, please forgive me. I had to take a restroom break. So, look, some examples of vulnerability, right? They include taking chances that will lead to rejection. So, it's okay 
you know, like for instance, let me let me explain this. Like, um, so I was I had really, really wanted to get this one job. And so I couldn't get the job. I, I applied for the job. And they, I still did not get the job. But let me explain the steps and what what took place before I had even um before I had even uh the uh got rejected. So I fill out the job application. When I fill out the job application, I just you know I'm having a very type of uh what do you call it? I'm trying to think. I'm having a um. A can-do type of attitude, right? And I can do this, right? Even though I know I don't have experience, but I really do want to work here. And so I fill out the application. And um, they say, well, you you don't qualify for this. So they finally send me an email. They say, you don't qualify for this. And so I've done this with jobs that I was overqualified for. And I've also done this with jobs that I was underqualified for. Like, I am... You know, like, I should not be applying for this job, but I just wanted to work there because of the experience or something like that, right? So, I've done this in two separate instances. One where I overqualified and one was I am too overqualified. And so, um, just completing out those job applications, it was like, okay, on this one job application, I literally had um wrote like in the um the comment thing about i said well i am willing to be trained on every level i am very interested in working for your organization i looked up the mission statement i wrote down their um core values and i inc included that in the application so now when i apply for a job that was under my uh qualifications I really wanted to work there just to be like a team leader. And I just thought they was, it could be like an inspiring uh, position, right? Even though I was overqualified, I still want to apply because that's something that I could see myself doing. Like, even if it wasn't for that long, maybe just six months or a year, just to be able to gain some momentum in that type of field. So even though I didn't qualify for neither position, one position is overqualified. The other position, I'm just like uh, too qualified. Oh, one one position is overqualified and one position underqualified is what I meant to say. It didn't matter to me because nothing be the failure but a try. And so it's not about the trying and the failure. It's about the fact that failure is opportunity, so I can't be defeated. My God is a God that the earth is his footstool. So when I think about that, it's like, okay, well, wait. I know I can have whatever it is I ask God for. So when I'm beginning to learn is that, okay, I do want a job, and I have been applying at a bunch of different jobs. And so I do this every single day, every single day. And now it's like I have come to the realization that God really wants me to just focus on my business. Okay. And so I think that that's what I'm going to do. After I graduate, 
I do plan on doing a lot of great things for the community. And that's what my goal is. But we have to remember that this is just one example of vulnerability. So that is that is something that even if you're not qualified for something, go ahead and apply anyway. You may just have some of those skills that they're looking for. And so this is what I mean. A maintenance worker. A maintenance worker, you may not think have customer service, but they do. Maintenance workers work with everybody. They work with facilities managers. They work with all the employees. They talk to every single person within the organization. These are people skills. This is customer service. So although you do maintenance, you are also engaging with everyone in the organization. When you go pick up their trash, sometimes you see things, you have uh, communications with them, you know, you build rapport, you build relationships, you collaborate. You're doing all of this as a maintenance worker. So just say if that position is hiring someone with customer service, uh, collaboration, team leader experience, work independently, you have all of those qualifications as a maintenance worker. Because you have little to no micromanaging, no one is going to go oversee you mop the floor. No one is going to oversee you take out the trash. So guess what? You have to think outside of the box. You have to create opportunity for yourself. Let God inspire you. Let God inspire your resume. So you put, you know what? I have collaboration. I have team lead. I work independently, but I also can work as a team because guess what? Maintenance workers, they report to facility managers. So these are all great qualifications. So don't be afraid to step out there, even if you're going to be rejected. It's no such thing as being embarrassed. What are you embarrassed about? First of all, you have to deal with it internally. If you made a mistake, that was a mistake. What is a mistake? A mistake can turn into a learning experience or a mistake will turn into another mistake. But guess what? It is nothing to be embarrassed about because you made a mistake. You just keep moving forward. You keep pushing forward. So I don't know if I really do get embarrassed by stuff. Maybe if I am, when I talk about my kids, my kids do not want me telling their business. So I try not to talk about their personal, personal stuff. So the next thing, another example of vulnerability is talking about mistakes that you have made. Bam. So, and I said, bam, I didn't use a cursing word. I don't use profanity. So just let you know that I used to use profanity and I think I used to hurt people feelings very bad. So I don't do that anymore. And so the point is, is if you talk about your mistakes, if you talk about them, it allows you the opportunity to overcome some of those things. 
if you're not learning and always observe absorbing things that will allow you to be advantaged in life that will put you forward in life that allow success to come an opportunity to be birthed into your life then if you're not talking about your mistakes how are you overcoming them so many times people will say oh i don't want to talk about that i don't want to talk about this i don't want to talk about that why why you don't want to talk about it and no i don't want to push you to talk about it because if you don't want to talk about it i understand we can talk about something else i just talked to a friend earlier today he said you know i don't want to talk about that i said okay i don't want to talk about it then he was talking about something that was important to him so that's fine because guess what sometimes people are not going to be vulnerable about their mistakes but that doesn't mean that you know it isn't impacting their life it could be impacting their lives positively or negatively so we as women we have to make sure that we create this sort of uh behavior that in allows us to be vulnerable and it's not just for women men too men need to be vulnerable as well you want to be vulnerable how are you going to communicate or learn how to communicate if you're not vulnerable so talking about your mistakes that you've made it allows you to move forward it allows you to identify the things that you're learning so in every mistake i have to first say i first have to admit that i made a mistake it first starts with acceptance so where was you wrong in the situation where was you wrong in the in during the process it isn't always about someone else because it takes two people to engage on the continuation of problems so you have to understand where where did you contribute to the problem how could you have learned what could you have done differently so what is god trying to teach you in your mistake what is god trying to show you what are you learning from this experience so for instance if you don't talk about your mistakes you're going to recycle your mistakes i'm gonna say that again if you don't talk about your mistakes you're going to recycle them so immediately i can identify if a person do not want to have a conversation about something there that means that they're uncomfortable that means something happened or an experience that is, it is disallowing them from moving forward in that situation So if somebody say, okay, well, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, you don't want to talk about that because you don't want to be vulnerable. So when people don't want to talk about things, we know why they lack vulnerability. I can talk about things because I can be vulnerable. I'm not afraid to be a vulnerable. There's nothing that you can say about me that's going to change the reflection that God has given me about myself. 
There's nothing that you could think about me that will change the perspective that God has said that I am more than a conqueror. So I can be vulnerable and I talk about my mistakes. I talk about my problems. I talk about adversities. I talk about negative experiences and also positive experiences. Because I understand that talking about things will allow other people to also move forward. And the Bible also talks about, it says here, let's, let's look at this other scripture here. So if you go to the Bible and you go to Revelations 12 and 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and that they love not their lives unto the death. So you have to understand that we overcome the man of lawlessness. The, we overcome Satan. We overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So if it if first is going to start with acceptance. It starts with acceptance. And what that means is that sharing, talking about your mistakes, accepting, taking ownership. It's like, okay, I went through this experience, but now how am I going to allow it to dictate my path? How am I going to allow it to shape my heart? How am I going to allow this experience to form my belief system? How is this experience going to shape my relationships with people in the future? From this experience, it could hinder your relationships. Your experiences can negatively shape your perspective about how you feel about people because of one experience. Oh, you know, he cheated. She lied. She this. She that. She had sex with someone else. She He had sex with someone else. Now, everybody is like that. Oh, no, I don't trust anyone else. That's not how God wants you to live. God did not allow you to go through that experience for you to reap bitterness. Because you're either going to become an overcomer or you're going to be an undercover. Undercomer. You're going to be defeated. So how are you allowing these experiences to shape your perception? Yes, I went through a lot. Yes, I endured a lot of things in my life. Yes, I was assaulted. I was kidnapped. I was all type of stuff done to me. But guess what? It don't shape my life right now. What it did was it provided a testimony about how the glory of God intervened on my behalf and saved me from the hands of my enemies. So the next thing about uh, another example of being vulnerable, uh, vulnerable is 
sharing your personal details that you normally keep private. Now, this podcast has really allowed me to share a lot of personal details about myself. So people that are really resistant or hesitant to sharing their personal information, like, okay, well, how did that situation make you feel? How did this situation, how did you overcome? So basically you have to analyze what was the situation? What did you do in the, the situation? And what was the end result? But if you can't get through those things, you like sitting there steady going through the same problems with different people. It's because you haven't changed your perspective. See, we have to change our perspective. I knew for a fact, I don't want to get in no marriage like that no more. I wouldn't care if the man was a millionaire. And he woke up with 50 horses. Like, look, I'm going to take you anywhere you want to go. I don't care about none of that. Because guess what? When you love somebody, you're going to be in it for the long haul. That means that what? Okay, now we got to go to counseling for his sex addiction. But I married that, you know. So I have to deal with what comes along with my choice. So if you marry a person and you know, you know what type of person you marry. They know what type of person they are. So we need to be able to share personal details that we would normally keep private. This allows us to do what? Revelation 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. You have to understand your testimony is to glorify God. It isn't about you. That's what God told me. He said, look, you went through these experiences to glorify my name. Talk about how I set you free. That's the way God talk. You gonna you need to speak about how I delivered you. And I speak about that because those are my testimonies of how God delivered me. So that's what we have to remember. It's not about, oh, I don't want to talk about that. That means you haven't learned. And we all know what happened when you don't learn. What, what happened? Recycle mistake. New day, new time, new people, the same situation. So that is what happens. You're going to recycle mistakes, recycle all of that, and that, that's not something that God wants you to do. So to prevent that, you want to be able to take chances that lead to rejection, talk about your mistakes, share personal details that you normally keep private, 
Like, for instance, I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was the dumbest person in the world. Like, how, how did I get in a, this situation? I mean, I literally was with a man who didn't want to do nothing for his kids. I'm like, I could have just stayed with my husband. I didn't have to go through this. I, I mean, we was fighting and stuff. But it's like, oh, I, I was used to fighting. But now it's like, okay. Well, God didn't want me to deal with that. But now, how did I get in a situation? Well, that, that man didn't even want to pay a light bill at his baby mama house. And his dog baby live in the house. I just didn't understand that. I don't want to be in a marriage or a potential marriage with somebody that don't take care of their kids. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to pay the light bill. We're going to do this. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we need to do. I don't want to argue with you about paying the light bill at your child's house where she's sleeping. It's like, okay, well, wait. I'll pay the light bill. And that's what I have to do. I have to pay the light bill. But I want, you know, we have to be on the same accord. Otherwise, see, now I didn't get myself in a position where I'm with a man that has been contaminated by the Eves. And I talked about Eve yesterday. So, you know, please go back and listen to the podcast about Eve. So I don't, you know, we have to really help people and pray for them. Because unless you're willing to acknowledge your mistake, unless you're willing to share information, how would anybody be able to help you? So you have to talk about your mistakes, share your personal details. Why are you feeling this way? Why don't you want to help your kids? Then once you talk about that, then you can move on to the next thing. Okay, well, she doesn't let you do this with your kids. She don't let you do that with your kids. It's about being vulnerable. The men have to be vulnerable and the women have to be vulnerable. You have to talk about these things in order to reach a resolution. So if a man isn't want to be there for his kids, what are the reasons why you don't want to be there? Why are you not fighting like you should? And or why are you not going to court? Why are you not doing something? What is it is he going to take for you to do what you have to do to take care of your children? How can I be a support system for you? What is it that you need in order for me to help you get to where you need to be? So we have to all be vulnerable. So the men have to be vulnerable. The women have to be vulnerable. We have to take chances that lead to rejection. 
talk about our mistakes so that we don't recycle mistakes. We need to share personal details that we normally would keep private because why? It is so important to acknowledge it. It creates an outlet for us to focus on new things and to overcome these barriers and adversities. The next thing about uh, another example of vulnerability, feeling difficult emotions such as shame, grief, or fear. So let's talk about the shame. Let's talk about the grief. Let's talk about the fear. So for instance, with me, I literally, um, I felt, I felt, uh, shame and it wasn't embarrassment. I wasn't embarrassed because I, I just felt shame because of the fact that I'm like, okay, well, why did my husband want me at 11 years old? Why? I was too young. I never understood that. It's like 11 years old to me. I am a kid. Like, okay, why? I want to know why. Now we're adults. And now I want to know why. So those, and that didn't get answered for me. That's another e issue. So it was a combination of quite a few things that bothered me in that marriage. You know, and then I know that it wasn't from God. So, you know, like, you know, we have to deal with these emotions that you feel. If you feel shame, if you feel grief or you feel fear, you have to talk about those things. It was very difficult, you know, um, talking about this because it's like I never got an answer why. I'm an adult now. I want to know why did you mess with me at 11 years old and i want to answer that's what i want to know and i already talked about the age difference it's a very big age difference so you know that bothered me as i get older so the next thing you just want to make sure that you are able to talk about like, okay, well, why, why this happened? Or, you know, like, this is how you made me feel. So I want to know, well, my response to you, how is that making you feel? See, for me, communication is so much communication. It's like, you, you okay, what it, what is it? So the next thing, uh, another example of vulnerability is reconnecting with someone you have fallen out with. Okay, now this is me all the way. So, <laughs> so recently when I was just in Chicago, I had seen my ex and he came up to me. He said, I'm like, I'm going everywhere with you. And so we was around each other quite a bit and stuff. Um, and then, um, it was kind of like when it came towards the time for me to go back home, it was like, okay, I want to go back home by myself. And so that wasn't something that, you know, he wanted. And, and so he kind of like got an attitude with me, but it's like the way that I feel is I don't want to go back. To anything i don't want to have a, a bad 
you know, um, friendship with you. But that's not something that I want to do. I want a man that believes in God. Like, fully. Like, okay. You know what I'm saying? You have to believe in God. You have to be practicing and believing in what God wants for your life. I don't want anything else. And that's that's the requirement. So... It's like we he got mad at me and um he just left me at you know he just left me right there. He was mad. So I called, I say, okay, so what but why are you so mad? Like, so I can't be mad at people for a long time. We have to learn how to move on and move forward from things. You can't focus on the negative. So I don't do that. So I, I'm gonna always reconnect with people that I know, even because I don't, I don't want you. I want to talk about well, okay, what's the issue? What are you mad about? So just reconnecting and maintaining those friendships and relationships is important. The next thing, um, which is the final one on this list, is the. Uh, being honest about what you need in a relationship, including your boundaries and expectations. So, like, some of my boundaries are, like, I don't want, I'm not going to be intimate because I am celibate. I've devoted myself to God, and that's what my plan is right now. So, if a person has other motives besides that, I can't participate in that type of uh, behavior. And so that means it's like, okay, well, I don't want, I want you to, I make sure that, you know, like this is, I'm not about to be intimate. And I'm devoting myself to God. So the person is going to know that. And you have to respect it. So those are boundaries. You have to set boundaries for yourself. Like, for instance, I'm not going to make a full commitment without meeting my family. You have to meet my kids. You don't just go and get involved in a relationship with someone and then all of a sudden you thinking everything is working out. And now, guess what? They meet your kids and it's like, no. My kids mean everything to me my daughter say something if my son say something i'll be like oh see this okay yeah see i'm gonna be pondering on that i'm gonna think about it i'm like well wait my son you know and i i'm not gonna tell nobody i'm gonna listen to my kids so when my kids say something to me they they opinion matters to me so you want to make sure that you're honest about your relationship you are setting these expect well boundaries because for me i don't think that we should place these expectations on people i believe that expectations lead to failure and so since people we all fail we can't expect other people not to fail so I know that it may seem pessimistic, but 
I'm not pessimistic. I'm a opportunity, uh, optimistic type of person. So what I'm saying is, uh, this is logic. If you're, if if you're expecting a person, of course, people are going to try to do things that are within their means to do, but that doesn't mean that they're always going to meet the demand. It's like when you go to the grocery store, you expect them to have milk. But if they don't, what do you do? You go to the gas station, you expect them to have gas. And if they don't, what you going to do? You go to the chicken uh, restaurant, you expect them to have chicken, and then they say they don't have no chicken. Ding, 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 ding. That's like, oh, no. I know you didn't just say you don't have no chicken. How you don't have no chicken? This the chicken spot. How do the chicken restaurant run out of chicken? So it's like, okay, well, wait. We're, we have these expectations and these standards that we maintain for businesses. And we always want them to meet our demand. So you have this supply and demand curve. And now this is what many business owners looking at it. Their, their ability to supply the demand for people. And so that, that's macroeconomics. I'm not even trying to get into all of that. But I'm just saying, I'm using it as an analogy that we can correlate that as an indirect correlation with the way we expect people to be. People are not always going to meet the demand that you're expecting. They're not always going to meet you at your level of understanding. And it's like, you're going to disappoint yourself because now it's like, well, wait a minute. See, he already knew that I asked him. I asked him to do this. And plus, he should already know. He's been around me long enough to know. He should know what I like. He should know what I like. Why? I said, why do I have to explain it? I'm not explaining anything to you because you know what I like. You got the wrong food. That's not what I eat. So now it's like, okay. And now, and then other times it's like, well, wait a minute. Why you can't get up and cut the light out? I always cut the light out. So now you're expecting that person to get up and you assuming that they're going to meet your demand of cutting the light out. You're assuming that every time they go to the store, they're going to get what you were expecting. You're assuming that your spouse is going to always take the garbage out. You're assuming that he's going to mop the floor. You're assuming that she's not going to nag. You're assuming that she's going to be supportive. All of these assumptions lead to disappointment in your expectations. So I know for a fact that I'm not expecting nobody to meet the demand. Because they, we all fail at some point. And so with that, you have to understand that failure is opportunity. So the, the only thing that I can grasp from a relationship is the ability to grow and learn from our failures. So yes, although it is a, it's a direct pessimistic type of approach, but when you look at it in the, in the, 
uh, interim of the, you know, uh, process of your, your experience, then you can see that, look, I am willing to go through these failures so that we can learn from our mistakes. So there's no point in setting these expectations that are ultimately leads to disappointment. People fail themselves. If they if they meet the demand, say thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for meeting my demand of understanding. Thank you for meeting my demand of respect. Thank you for meeting my demands. But you have to remember, like businesses, you're not going to always go to the grocery store and they're going to have your favorite juice. And you may go to the gas station that, that name is gas station and they're not going to have gas. You may like 93. They didn't ran out of 93. Now what you going to do? So you have to understand some people run out of energy. They run out of confidence. They run out of motivation. You don't know when that that they're going to be going through those experiences. How do you know when someone is is having a difficult experience right then and there? You don't know what their level of energy, their level of motivation, their level of confidence, their level of interest that they're having. You don't know these things unless you're honest. So this that that is why the this last example it is a vulnerability is being honest about what you need in a relationship, including your boundaries and your expectations. So this is really good stuff here. Um, I guess what I can do. So tomorrow, I'm I well not tomorrow, but Sunday because I'm closed on Saturday. But um, I should be able to finish up. Some of the stuff, I don't know if I don't think I'm gonna finish up the women's uh the uh black one the strong black woman syndrome yet. I, I still got a lot more to discuss on this topic. Um, but I what I would like to do is talk about another tissue. So let's get to that. I'm gonna try to get through the tissues and then I'll do the soaps. And um okay, so this is real. Real is what I did yesterday. So now let's talk about public goods. So I got a few minutes left on here. Public goods tissue. Okay, here we go. All right, so public goods, you can say 5% with auto ship, easy to adjust, skip or cancel. It is box toilet paper. Let's look at the um, about section. Okay. They say it's all good. Okay. Many of the toughest problems we face are the result of the products big companies produce. That's why we're committed to making healthier, more sustainable choices, easy and accessible to all. Okay. They say we are always going to buy stuff for our homes. They have 100% recycled post-consumer plastic. That is great. Says, wait, 100% recycled. 
post 100%. I'm trying to figure out what type of recycled plastic. So that could be questionable. Okay. Um, no toxic chemicals. This is excellent. Organic ingredients. That is superb. Okay. I like that. It says, so we are always going to buy stuff for our homes. But by creating the most sustainable version of the things people need the most, we can have a net positive impact on the on the planet that's that's a great attitude net positive so today that means 100 of recycled post-consumer plastic bottles and tree-free paper it means sourcing organic ingredients and avoiding toxic chemicals it means donating excess products it means carbon offsetting both through reforestation and carbon neutral shipping but we're just getting started. Every day brings a new chance for us to be even better to our planet. We're always improving how we do things. And you can find more details about some of the folks who help us do that below. So let's leave, meet our partners. So they go through uh, Eden Reforestation Projects which uh, we partner with Eden Reforestation for their combined mission of reducing extreme poverty that is so nice but how do they go about reducing this extreme poverty so reducing extreme poverty and restoring healthy forests how do they restore healthy forests so for every order place public goods plants a tree with eden's help to date we've planted over three hundred and sixty-three thousand trees and county oh my god yes that is so good. Okay, I didn't mean to yell. But that's more than 18 times the number of trees in Central Park. Yes. I like that. That's good. Well, I'm hoping that it is not artificial, like uh, genetically modified type of trees and stuff like that. Because it's important to make sure that if you're going to be doing organic things, that it's done through natural selection. So I'm hoping that they are doing it that way. I'm going to look this up and I'm going to confirm these some of these things. So St. Mary's Food Bank. Through our ongoing partnership with St. Mary's Food Bank and Community Food Bank in New Jersey, we donate all of our near-expired products so someone in need can benefit from them. That is good. Because expired products really doesn't make a big difference. Um, You can eat expired canned goods and it's still fine. Like, I'm not going to tell you that that's what you should eat because I don't know the way your body is set up and your body mass index. It does impact your overall intake, your consumption. So if you're, you are a person with a normal size BMI and you, you consume uh, something that is uh, just with low potency, just say you're, you're consuming uh, like, for instance, these apricot seeds that I have, right? I haven't put them back up, uh, but I still had them out from the other day when I was talking about them. So just say you consume some apricot seeds, but your body mass index is below the, you know, size. That means that you're you're small. You could be underweight and that, that you shouldn't take so many of them. So it really depends on that individual. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to say... You know, if you've never eaten it from a, a food pantry, I've eaten at the food pantry. 
it's nothing wrong with me eating at a food pantry and i ate and it was good okay so um next it says we don't compromise on quality whether we're testing that every last ingredient we use is clean and healthy or i'm gonna have to finish this tomorrow i think because it's a lot of information that they got here that i would like to go over i want to give like an equal amount of time to each um uh tissue company and so i what i can do is continue this one on tomorrow so let me go ahead and close for tonight on those um things and i'll talk about it tomorrow so if uh let me let me just go ahead and pray all right father god we come boldly before your throne of grace thank you so much for using me god where i can speak about your word it feels good talking about the good things that you've done and i just pray that you just allow the entire world to just sort of experience some of your goodness today lord god allow us to be able to understand you more let us build on our relationship with you let us grow and absorb more and more information in your word that allows us to fulfill your plan will and purpose god allow our ears to continue to be sensitive to the voice of the holy spirit and let us see things through your eyes and not our own so that we're not dependent on our own perspective but we're seeing and hearing things from the way that you see and hear them to understand your perspective and to view the world the way that you do and 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 hear and see people the way that you see and hear them god so that we can know what to pray and know how to be we're not depending on our own understanding god so allow us to grow allow us to change allow us to embrace the love that you've given us allow us to accept the things that you want for us so it's so important for us to live a life that is pleasing to you lord and so we just ask that you just go ahead and maneuver us position us exactly where you need us to be orchestrate what needs to be orchestrated in our life pivot us exactly where where you want us god so that we can walk in your purpose and, and live in your plan and live in the in your will that you have for us god remember you made us important god you made us important you gave us purpose god we was we were we are not worthy of anything god but you made us important you you gave us a plan you gave us your will you gave us inspiration you gave us encouragement lord god so we ask that you just keep us ten thousand steps ahead of every situation and circumstance making sure that no man shall deceive us because we have the mind of christ and therefore no weapon formed against us shall prosper in jesus name and god we just pray that you please allow your will to be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your blood. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. All right. If you wanted to suggest a topic or if you wanted to make a comment or something like that, please send me an email. You can send me an email directly at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org or you can uh, send your comments or prayer requests to Laws Life Help at suddenchangescorporation.org. So until Sunday, I'll see you all. You have a good night. Have a great weekend.